Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sighting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today, we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 16, which is titled The Healers. The episode aired on February 22nd, 1996. Lauren, what was going on that week 24 years ago? Well, a childhood favorite of ours, Happy Gilmore, starring Adam Sandler, debuts in theaters. Price is wrong, bitch. Broken Arrow, though, is still the number one movie at the box office, and the music version of Groundhog Day continues as One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men continues its torturous run atop the music charts. Mm. I just want to know if it's going to end before the end of the season. Like I'm, I'm determined to not look it up. Okay. Lizzie, Lizzie can tell you off mic away from my ears. I but... have this information. <laughs> I will not reveal it though. It, <sighs> it let me let me say this. It helps that I think between this episode and the next episode, or one of the episodes coming up here, there's a month break for oh, weird. for ER. So it, that helps. Hmm. I wonder why. That's kind of a that's an extended gap. And yeah, between, I know it's been February into March, so I forget if hmm. it's this episode or the next one. But either way, interesting. Uh, well, this week we've got 36 million viewers tuning in. Uh, this episode is directed by Mimi Letter. Uh, this is actually her last episode as producer, and it was her last episode that she directed uh, until season 15. Aww. So we are losing probably, I would say, the heaviest hitter on the directing side from the early seasons here. She's all over season one, and she's been a pretty, pretty significant presence in season two, I think, as well. Um, but this is it for her until 2009. And then this episode was written by John Wells, so kind of the dream team working on this episode here, Mimi Letter and John Wells. This episode received three Emmy nominations for writing, directing, and single camera editing, um, but continuing the theme with Love's Labor Lost, it went 0 for 3 at that year's Emmys. Boo. Boo, you whores. <laughs> I'm sure they made up for it. Yeah, this episode's a heavier one for sure, and there's a reason that it got all those nominations. I'm surprised it didn't win any, though. Yeah. So... We open with a call from Shep and Raul's rig to the dispatch. They're saying, you know, hey, they're done. They're headed back to the station after working on um, working on a trauma. And Shep's like, oh, let's get Wiener Circle for breakfast, which is a Chicagoland staple. Yeah, it's the one, if you've ever heard of it, it's the one where they, where they berate you while you order. <laughs> Sounds lovely. What a few sure It's a Chicago... It's a Chicago institution, and by all accounts, it has some of the best hot dogs in all of Chicago. Yeah, but I don't want to get yelled at while I eat my hot dogs. Yeah, but they're sassy. Anyway, yeah, he's, and Raul's like, what the hell, hot dogs for breakfast? And Shep's like, come on, char dog, extra peppers, cheese. Cheese on a hot dog? Yeah, why not? I don't know. Depends on the mood, what you're in the mood for. I Chicago guess. style's That's a chili cheese the way dog. To go. That's acceptable. Yeah. But, okay, yep. Um, we're not, I'm not going to get sidetracked on that one today, <laughs> but... Dispatch calls them into a fire at a residential building. You know, at first they're like, oh, we're just about to be done with our shift, but they decide they're going to go because they're getting called in. And I think it's Shep that says, I could use the overtime. Like, he makes light of it. Ugh. Um, well, yeah, about that. So we cut over there from there. We have uh, Susan waking up to her alarm going off. Uh, no Bose stereo on, like, some of our her other counterparts. <laughs> Um, and uh, baby Susie's crying at 6.17 a.m. And uh, poor little Susie. She has such big cries for such a tiny, tiny human. And we get some uh, gratuitous baby butt in this in this scene, too. <laughs> we sure do. But it's a cute little baby butt. Exactly. So, like, this wasn't even, like, the last time, like, we had, like, gratuitous baby, baby underparts. Like, where, like, it was probably unintentional. <laughs> like, this is just full in-your-face baby butt clearly visible on a four by three sd television in the 90s susan is just holding little susie picked her up from her crib there is nothing strange about it but she just <laughs> happens to not have a diaper on and it's very cute unlike the previous uh baby nethers mention yes uh so we get cut away from the cute little baby butt to uh shep and raul arriving to the building that is fully engulfed in flames we know the fire is primarily coming from the second story of this building um and we noticed on the captions that they spelled story s-t-o-r-e-y i don't know if that's correct or not but if it is that means i've been spelling x story of a building wrong my entire life so same same thanks for that existential crisis there's (laughs) (laughs) there was a large explosion uh that started the fire and then there's another one as they're standing there talking to a one of the bystanders um so it's a really bad fire 
one of the bystanders uh, tells Shep and Raul that they see people coming and going from the house all the time and that they think they're selling drugs or something in there. So we were suspecting that it could be like a meth lab type of thing situation. Uh, more explosions. A man runs out of the front door of the house completely engulfed in flames, like fully head to toe on fire. They kind of roll him around on the ground, put him, put him out. A woman comes out carrying a small child saying that she's got her babies are still in there. There's three of them. So Shep decides to play hero and is like we got to go in there and Raul's like why don't we just wait like you know the backup the fire trucks are on their way and he's like Shep just wants to play hero so he's like I'm going in there you can follow me if you want and so he runs off Raul calls for backup and then follows him in and that leads us right into the bangs for the intro so before we get sidetracked I want to note I just did a google and the British spelling is s-t-o-r-e-y so whoever was doing spelling so whoever was doing the captions for this uh, this episode was British. That's what we've learned. Yes, the, the American spelling is S-T-O-R-Y. Yeah, and it should be noted when, um, getting back to the actual scene, uh, Shep and Roll, they don't have the proper equipment for going no. into a burning building, so that's Raul's main concern here. Yeah, they don't have any of the respirators. They don't have, I mean, I mean, they're wearing, like, firemen, like, jackets, sort of, but nothing, like, nothing to the extent that the firemen that are on their way are going to have. Yeah, no oxygen, no helmet. Well, do they even have helmets? I don't think no. so. I really don't think so. Jeez, okay. I think I think they might, but they don't have any of the ma- like any of the face guards or yeah, anything. Yeah. Minimal coverage. Unprepared is what we're saying. So, uh, moving on though, uh, we have our first audio for the episode. We have Mark walking in uh, with Doug to lounge. So let's listen in. I don't know, I just feel funny about taking it off. She filed for divorce and she's living with another guy. Morning. Morning. I guarantee you, she's not wearing furs while she's digging post holes in bed with what's-his-name. You know what? I don't need any more mental images of Jennifer's new sex life. My imagination is already working over You asked me why women don't seem to be interested in you, and I said that women do not respond well to guys who come on to them while they're wearing their wedding ring. It just doesn't happen. Randy, okay. You meet a cute guy for the first time, what do you do? Run a credit check. The normal <laughs> women check on rings. That's right, Mark. And if he's not wearing one, you look for that. I'm married, but it's in my pocket indentation. I'm telling you, you know, throw in the river. Throw the ring in the river. Doug. Yeah. Six-year-old with the flu, curtain thing. Okay. You, you can have dinner tonight? No, I'm sorry, I can't. What are they, like, here I am pouring out my heart about how I can't <laughs> get a date, and you're probably going to go have dinner with the entire KLM flight crew. Bulls game with my dad. That's when he and his dad get so close. They aren't. They've seen each other a couple of times. Doug's trying them. So before we get before we move into this, I want to know, have either of you ever heard that phrase digging post holes when referring to a sexual act? Um I think what he I think he's conflating two things. Like I think he's trying to make the thing of like they're notching bedpost things. Yeah, no, I'm aware, but I've never even heard it like I mean, Right, no, I know, but that. I think I think that's what I think whoever whether it was written for him or what, but I think whoever wrote it is conflating that in their mind. Like no. they're, they're, they were trying to say notching bedposts and no, yeah, it got I'm turned full- into. I, I don't think so. I'm I, fully aware. I'm just wondering if either of you had ever heard that before this episode. I think maybe once or twice, but the imagery is very vivid. I can't help but think that's exactly what they meant to say. I don't know. It seems it's Thanks. such a strange turn of phrase. Like I, I just can't imagine somebody did that on purpose. It's a very strange turn of phrase, but I feel like it was incredibly purposeful. Could and be. also, did we he- did we hear um, Doug slip up there? No. He said, throw the river, throw it in the river. Oh. So I don't know if that was a mistake they left in on purpose or if it was scripted. But yeah. he, recovers. he recovers from it well yeah. enough. So. But no, I think I am in camp. It is a saying. Hmm. I'm googling while we while we keep talking. Just like you didn't believe uh, second banana was a, was a yeah, this thing is, last this is, episode. Yeah, this, this is, is going to be, be my second banana. banana. <laughs> uh, I'm not to, except I'm not denying that it's a phrase. Unlike Lauren and our uh, and popular court co-host Jake didn't believe it was a thing. So, but anyway, uh, we're setting up uh, we're setting up Doug's storyline, main storyline for the episode. Uh, well, we'll have some daddy issues uh, resolved. Not really, but things will kind of come to a head between Doug and his dad later. Nope, it's not. See, it's not really a thing. That's what I'm saying. I think whoever wrote it was thinking of, thinking in their mind when they wrote it about notching bedposts, and for however whatever filter through their brain it went through, it came out on the page as digging post holes. I guarantee you. 
I still think they meant exactly what they said, but well, it, whatever. If if that was their intention, it did not catch on <laughs> clearly. Yeah. Either way, moving on. What happens next, Lauren? So then we have Carol is up the admit desk complaining about her cut down shifts again, and as she's complaining, we have we hear Lily say that she's down to only eight shifts a month. Ugh. So they're clearly restructuring a little bit, and shit's not good. People aren't happy. Though I think Lily says she's been temping at another like private, yeah, hospital or something where the pay is better. Yeah, we we get this uh, throughout the series where they decide to take uh, budget issues out on nurses. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, I've been moonlighting up in OB, or I've been, yeah, whatever, you know, in the ICU or something like that." So where they just take shifts elsewhere because you know they're still RNs. But it begins. Yeah. Um, and then Mark is asking at the desk where Susan is, and we find out she's going to be late. And then Unit 92 calls into the ER about the building fire, and they are taking all of the crispy critters. So Carol answers Ugh. that dispatch call and is like, all right, we'll get ready. Let's the team know. And we are off. <laughs> Have I mentioned my least fucking favorite thing in this entire series is the burn victims? And who boy, this was a hard watch, so... They mean it when they say crispy critters. We we had some unfortunate pauses during these traumas. Yeah. yeah. Props and makeup working overtime this episode. So we find out the reason uh, Susan's going to be late is because she has her adoption appointment. So it looks like she's going to get baby Susie pending any sort of animal sacrifices or anything. According to the adoption representative, I don't know what she's what just cre- uh, she's credited as adoption lady which you okay. know, makes makes sense yeah. uh and she's, who plays her she's played by an actress named mary pat gleason who's a very uh she's got a very familiar face even if like looking through her filmography nothing like super jumped out at me is like oh i recognize her from this but she's been in a ton of things she's got 174 credits dating back to 1980 um and seems like she's still somewhat active nowadays so i guarantee if you go look at her imdb you'll find something that you've probably at least seen her in and may not even remember it yeah but because susan's a blood relative and you know it seems pretty cut and and she hasn't been able to uh, because she wasn't able to get into contact with chloe you know through any means mail phone whatever whatever else you have they don't exactly have email in 1996 quite yet at least not commonly so basically it's a done deal we hope or is it (laughs) uh so we cut back from there uh we find out that as we sort of touched on earlier the building was a meth lab that exploded uh we get the first patient coming in from the fire which we wondered is this carter's first burn trauma i think it might be uh because i don't think I don't think he's dealt with anything like that prior to now. And, and that sort of plays into his reaction a little bit in a few minutes as they're rolling these patients in. It's like one ambulance right after another. So Lydia kind of hears in passing that unit 47, which is Raul and Shep's unit was involved with the fire and then tries to get info on whether or not they made it out. And she finds out from one of the passerby EMTs that one did. So that kind of casts a pall over the next few minutes as as the audience, we're sort of all prepping for Shep is dead. Like, yeah, that that's clearly the image and the sort of feeling that they want you to have over the next several minutes. Yeah, because Shep is the one that obviously we spend way more time with right. throughout this whole thing, and you know, being a partner to Carol and such and such. But our um, we cut over to another burn patient uh, as an eight year old kid. Just, you know, is saying it hurts, it hurts. You know, like burns would be, but it doesn't look super serious on the outside. Uh, just looks like first degree maybe second degree burns a little bit so nowhere near as bad as it could be doug tells uh carol about shep and raul and carol immediately you know freaks out you know her boyfriend is in trouble so of course she'd be concerned carol asks the paramedic you know she says you know the units behind the you know the units behind us might know something and we noticed that like the cinematography of these two traumas has been really fucking great and it's been one continuous take from the trauma rooms out to the er as a whole and it's just excellent we just excellent excellent camera work this episode good on you steady cam guy yeah i wonder how many times they had to do this one yeah i mean it would be, it's one of those things too where it's like if you get all the way to the very end and then somebody flubs a line or messes up something it's like good god what they have to reset all of that stuff so many moving parts and as as trauma room film watch continues i have to note my films are still still up who are they and they're up in both rooms Nobody has had time to get scanned yet. Who are these people? Are they the same films in both rooms? 
I know they're not the same films in both rooms. I still need to go and do screenshots from each episode and see if they are, in fact, the same set of films. <laughs> but that's just going to be a weekend project. But yeah, so my mystery films are still up. And then we f- a little boy comes in. His name is Max. He comes in with smoke inhalation. Uh, we don't get too much on him. They just get him set up to get taken care of and get him some oxygen and everything. But then... They're trying to call Benton down to help, and they're trying to get a hold of Susan because she's still not in yet, and they're dealing with all these burn victims. So, and uh, Carol is running around asking each set of paramedics since they've seen the U, the Unit Forty Seven guys, and no one seems to have any information. So she goes to wait in the snow for the next ambulance, and it's really hoping they're on it. And I noticed here we have kind of a pan out shot of the ambulance bay, and is this the first time that we see the revolving door with like the county general? sign above it it could be I, I certainly feel like this is the most from the normal ambulance bay anyway because we've had that the weird like back of the hospital shot where carter mm-hmm. came in at the beginning of this season but i think this might be the first time we've really seen outside of just the door of the ambulance bay right. and like pull back beyond like the basketball hoop and everything like this this seems like the most extensive wide shot of that area we've ever seen so it could quite very well be the the first time we've seen that door so then we cut over from there. Uh, Susan finally arrives to the ER with little Susie in tow. And, of course, everything is just complete chaos at this point. So she asks Jerry what's what's been going on. And uh, he's like, yeah, it's big fire, lots of traumas. It's kind of crazy. Uh, Randy takes little Susie up to daycare so that Susan can jump right in. Doug sends Susan to go check in with Mark in Trauma 1. Uh, and when she arrives, she's like, what can I do? And... Mark kind of brushes her off and he's just like, not much now. And the trauma kind of comes to a conclusion. They move the patient out and she goes to try to apologize to Green. She's like, Mark, I'm sorry. This was really important. And he hits her right back with, so's your job. And as he's like pulling off his gloves and leaving. And this was kind of a like, at least in this episode, we may get follow up on it in future episodes, but at least within the context of this episode, this is a little bit of a dropped thread. Like, they don't really pick up on this again in this episode. Like, the whole Mark all of a sudden being rigid and inflexible when it comes to Susan having responsibilities outside of the ER. Like, he's been very supportive up till now, but this one time where things kind of went sideways, now all of a sudden he has a problem with it. They don't really follow up on that in this episode. And maybe we'll get some resolution on it as we go along in future episodes, but not so much here. My guess with this one is it might be because he didn't necessarily have notice of what was going on. Like mm-hmm. he may not have, but he may not have been aware of her appointment. Yeah, that's possible. And that just my th- that's the only thing I can think of why it would have been such a sudden about face for that. Either way, but uh, Doug is running out to help Carol with the incoming traumas, and you know, asking if it's Shep. Uh, and it's really just it's so good to see him being so supportive of her. We get that in flashes this season for the most part, but it's just it's just been a good a good consistent thing that we've been seeing a lot from him. He seems to have really backed off the the oh lovey lovey dovey. Yeah. He's, uh, he's just giving her space and being a good friend. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So now, which, is, which we're always here for yeah. on this show. We stand supportive platonic male uh, male female friendships. And Doug not being a shithead. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Doug's not a piece of shit anymore, guys. Hey. We did it. We did it, fam. Um, So then we have, we find out Shepard is on another ambulance coming in right behind. And he, we find out he fell through a floor while rescuing a child and broke his leg. They haven't found Raul yet. And Shep keeps taking his mask off to try and talk. And they keep putting it back on like, shut up, put your mask on. Stop it. Stop it. You need oxygen. Shut up. (laughs) Um, And he says, you know, Raul was right behind him in the building. Like, this is going to be something he echoes a lot in this early part is Raul was right behind me. He was right behind me. And then the kid that Shep saved is being worked on by Doug, Lily, and the young paramedic Riley that we met a few episodes ago. Um, Then we cut back to Shep over real quick and we got some audio from him. So let's listen to that. Neck hurt? No. Kids okay? Any pain? Yeah, my, my ribs are a little. Tell X-ray. You run a spine and get a chest. Is three kids okay. We're taking care of them right now. Rowan was right behind me. We're on the second floor. Stop moving your head. The last kid was in a closet. We'd almost given up, then Rowan found him. We just wanted to get the hell out of there. Pain? Yeah. Yeah, what about here? No, no, I'm okay, all right? 
I thought we could make it down the stairs. You know, the hall was going up. I'm touching you here. Do you feel this? Yeah. Okay, wiggle your toes. He was right there. I was looking at him, then there was a big noise. And then I'm falling with the kid. Marcellus Peterson, posterior tibial pulses are intact. They gotta find Raul. They're trying. He was right behind me. He's right there. Okay, they're trying. Shh. ABG with carboxyhemoglobin level. CBC Chem 20 coags. Yui and myoglobin? Yeah. Dr. Green, they found Raul. Is he okay? Is he okay? Bringing him in now. <laughs> they found him. <laughs> That's great. Oh, that's great. They found him. <laughs> Might not be so great there, Shep. <laughs> this is some great performance from him, though. Yes. Yeah, I, I would argue this is probably his best that we've seen thus far. Like, this is, he's at, he, you, make, you care about him more in this moment than you have at any other point. At least I have. He's actually given some dramatic gravitas to work with. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff from him. I think overall this episode is a really strong ship kind of showcase, which we haven't had previously. And I actually need to mention before I forget any further, a patron of ours and a follower of ours on Instagram, Corinne, um, she pointed out to me that Juliana Margulies and Shep's actor Ron Eldard, they were actually a couple in real life for like, I think like 12 years or something like that. And it was all during this time too. Like I think they dated from like... 1991 or two until like 2003 so it kind of makes sense that they had you know a decent amount of chemistry because they were actually a couple in real life at this point so that's i just thought that was pretty cool shout out to corinne for pointing out to me what was already on the wikipedia page so you know definitely good job for me in the research department of noticing that (laughs) uh but in any shit happens in any event best shep episode i think thus far uh, Um, this one daniel yes could we almost consider this a Shep episode? That's, I'm not going to acknowledge that with a response. I'm just going to move on and pretend you didn't say it. So, uh, Although I, I, would, I would like you to say uh, Shep Showcase five times fast. Shep Showcase. Okay, so we go from there uh, to <laughs> Susan examining a firefighter. He looks like he could be like a chief or somebody who would be in charge of a scene because he's wearing more like the white kind of fire chief polo shirt outfit rather than the the normal uh, firefighter garb but in any event he just remarks as she's examining him that every one of those kids would have been dead if it wasn't for Shep and Raul so you get a little bit of storyline development there Um, and you might also recognize the firefighter he's played by an actor named Michael Cudlitz and he has appeared in quite a few different shows Um, the ones that kind of jumped out at me were uh, The Walking Dead seems like he was on there for a few seasons uh, as well as Lost and Jag Um, so this is this is a little bit of a heavier oh hey it's that guy episode we got We've got a few of them as we go along here. Um, and then we cut over to one of the kids that they brought in is seizing. Um, I know Doug is, they're just sort of going over. He just has a laundry list of problems going on mm-hmm. with him. And it's to the point where uh, they determine that he needs a hyperbaric chamber, which they only have at the University of Chicago. So I mean, I feel like that's such a highly specialized piece of medical equipment that that's something that not necessarily every hospital would yeah. be equipped with. Which, if you don't know what that is, it's essentially the modern version of an iron lung. Yeah. So, so which, as someone who's claustrophobic, terrifies the ever-loving shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, like I had a hard even. enough time getting my MRI for my back. Yeah, I've had several MRIs, and I've panicked several times during them. And honestly, if you if you ever have to put me into one of these, just just let me die. I'm fine. I'm just... Because <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure if I woke up in one of these, I would just... Has anyone ever no. used a podcast as a justification for a DNR before? I don't know that they have. <laughs> Hey, you know what? I have some paperwork on file. <laughs> Thank you very much. You good? Yeah. Aside from that horrifying realization. All yeah. right. Um, so then we paused here on the worst goddamn shot of Raul's charred face as, <sighs> as he's being brought in. He is just rough. He looks much worse for wear than Shep does. I'm just going to say that right now. Uh, we find out a little bit more with what's going on with him later and i'm gonna leave that for y'all to talk about but mark is working on him with benton and carter and i think carol comes in and is like how bad somebody responds it's bad and then raul asks or no he asks how bad and they just say it's bad and he asks is shep okay broke a couple ribs he's pretty mad so just some back and forth in there raul's conscious but not doing so great 
Yeah. There's a lot of unspoken tension in that scene. Like yeah. Carol comes in and she's like, what's going on? How is he? And I think it's green who looks at Benton and Benton kind of gives like a little head shake. Like this is, mm-hmm. this is not something you fix kind of thing. And then green has to then pull her aside. And then we get to see tight shots of her face. She's kind of coping with it. It's like the whole thing is just very well done and very well balanced. But so then we cut back over to the other trauma room where Shep is and he's trying to eavesdrop and, you know, rip off his IVs and stuff because he wants to go over to Raul's trauma. Carol threatens him with restraints. Uh, she goes over to get the prognosis on Raul so that she can let him know. And the whole time he's just like wailing and like repeating over and over again, just tell him I didn't leave him there. And like, again, really strong work from him in this uh, episode. He just does a really, really good job. <sighs> But then we go over, uh, Carol is talking with Mark about Raul, and God, just sorry, even it's, it's even hard to talk about, honestly. You can do God. it. I uh, believe in you. Just because Burns, no, no. I still have the scar from our oven from, like, six months ago. Yeah. Uh, watch where your arms are. Watch where your arms are in relation to, in relation to a 500-degree oven there, kids. There's your public ser- safety announcement for, for this episode. Um, but they say that Raul has 85 to 90 percent, mostly third degree burns. So on his body. Yeah. So if you're unaware, just quick little Google food just to make sure I got this right. So there are th- there are three main degrees of burns. First degree burns are like what Lauren got. Quick little surface burns that, you know, red may leave a little scar, but they only affect the outer layer of skin. And, you know, they cause pain, some redness and some swelling. Second degree burns uh, affect both the outer and the underlying layers of skin, so they cause pain, redness, swelling, and blistering. So, like if she had left her arm on that 500 degree oven for for more than half a second, ah! exactly. Um, and then third degree burns, which is what Raul is dealing with. So the skin is dead, like it just the skin is destroyed, and it's starting to affect like the sub the, like. The under your skin, the fat layers, the subcutaneous tissue. I was trying to put it in, you know, non, you know, in easier non-medical terms. So I know I just wanted to brag that I knew that term. I'm trying to be respectful of our audience and making sure that they understand. We can Um, educate and give both terms. Well, there you go. You heard it from Lauren first. Lauren first, and completely non-medically educated person. That's me. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so. Usually that means you're highly susceptible to infections and stuff. It's usually what kills you with this. So yeah, that's what's happening on Raul. It's what it's it's like when the skin you it's like when you see like the skin is basically black on people yeah. and it looks almost like it's melted away. Yeah, I am taking a moment to appreciate our skin's ability to act as one of our biggest immuno protectors. Yeah, thank you, skin. And all the firefighters. That's what also what they call full thickness burns. So all fire, all the firefighters are at the door watching Carol's reaction to Mark getting this news or Mark giving her this news. They're all so just so concerned. Of course. I know. But we find out they have not been able to locate the mom of the three children yet, the one who ran out at the beginning of the explosion. She has not been found. A bunch of the firefighters ask if they can donate blood to help and there's and I can't remember, somebody's, I think it's Carol says, yeah, you can go up to, like, the third floor or something yeah. if they want to help out and donate blood. So good on them in an emergency to try and help one of their own. Just help and restore the blood bank a little bit. Very sweet gesture. Then we cut over to one of the more unsettling scenes mm. of the episode. So we mentioned that Carter, we this is the main scene that light, leads us to believe earlier that uh, this is really Carter's first main, like, burn multi-victim trauma. Because him and Benton are basically, I forget what the, I forget, we, we forgot to mark down what the procedure is called, but basically where they like cut through the couple top layers of skin to sort of like relieve the pressure um, and get some of the fresh tissue yeah. more exposed to oxygen. Because that's one of the thing. one of the things too, is that your skin, you chars. know, chars and just basically forms a solid layer. So... You know, your skin's normally a little porous, so... Yeah, and it also causes the skin to, like, tighten across the chest, and that's... Yeah. preventing his lungs from being able to expand properly, so he's not... He's already having trouble breathing because he has smoke inhalation, and he's probably scorched his lungs as well, but it's doubly so because the skin around his chest is not allowing the lungs to expand as much as they even could in their already limited state, so it's... yeah. Yeah, so that's... 
That's more what it is, is it limits the musculature from yeah. being able to... Yeah. It, it's it's, it's one big clusterfuck. Bad <laughs> time all around. Yeah, so Carter and Benton are basically one, on, one of them on each side are taking oh. scalpels and... Raul can't feel this because all of the nerve skin, the skin nerves are destroyed. That's why, like they say with a lot of, they say with a lot of this, like you don't feel third degree burns because your nerves are dead, dead, like they're incinerated. I have no idea if that's true. I've never gotten one. That's just what I've heard. So, so, yeah, they're just they're just taking scalpels and just with the most vomit-inducing noise, just going down. Fully worth it. Carving a turkey. Yeah, and just taking a scalpel down the down each of the sides of uh, Raul's chest just to help him breathe a little easier, which it does. So it does help. Uh, Carter can't finish his side though. He's just, nope, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it, and I don't fucking blame him. Uh, so Mark jumps in to help finish it. Yep, yeah, because Raul keeps making eye contact with him. Yeah, and Carter's just so like squicked out that ain't happening. So then we have um. Doug is working on another one of the kids that came in. And during this, random aside, I noticed that Wendy still isn't wearing scrubs. We've touched on this before, but does anybody, any listeners, do you know what Wendy's role actually is? Because she's never in scrubs like the rest of the nurses. Uh, so so I, I did go look it up after our interview the other day, which we, we touch on this. Spoilers mm-hmm. for a future interview episode. We touch on Wendy's role within the ER. And um, I did go up and look after the fact and she's credited specifically as a nurse's assistant so that might clear it up a little bit i still think if you're a nurse's assistant you probably would be wearing scrubs in this situation but maybe not maybe i'm wrong about that but at least at least the resource i use she was credited as a nurse's assistant yeah she'll sometimes put on like the like oh my god why can't i think of like the paper gowns that they throw on Mm -hmm. over traumas she'll do that but she's her like uniform she's not often in actual scrubs so sorry to derail i just had to note that um doug asks if the kid has any idea where they can find his mom because they're still trying to look for her because these kids eventually have to be you know taken home or taken to dcfs so no luck on that raul is taken up to the burn unit and he is wheeled through all of the paramedics and firefighters wishing him well which is just a really powerful scene because you do it they do it from his perspective Mm -hmm. which is laying on the gurney and just oof and i have so many feelings yeah and the fact too that like we as the audience know and more importantly he as the character knows that like he's not gonna recover from this like this is not the type of injury that you recover from so like it's it's doubly impactful because of that it's just this whole episode is just it's heavy a lot uh but we cut from there speaking of a lot uh we cut from there we see some hands slap down on the uh, counter of i think it's the admit desk and then we hear a very familiar voice oh shit son chloe is back motherfucker god bless it and things were going so well uh (laughs) well i mean at least for susan like she was all things were no they were all things were pointing towards she was gonna get little Susie, and now all of a sudden chloe has reared her ugly head back but anyway um she tells who is it she's talking to is it randy yeah Yeah, she tells randy that she'll be up in the daycare uh and she'll wait for susan up there so then we cut from there to Shep, who has already kind of been moved up out of the ER, I guess up to the burn unit, um, and he's asking about Raul, and the camera cuts back, and we kind of pull back from the room. They almost do the like Love's Labor Lost thing with Bradley Whitford, where we don't really get to hear Carol telling him the bad news. We just see and hear his reaction, and it's pretty powerful. Like All you hear is just him saying no, no, no over and over again, and again, he just does he doesn't overact it he doesn't ham it up like it just it really it hits the exact right note that you need it to hit and it's kudos to him good job it's appropriate for finding out your best friend is going to die and you know you have those immediate feelings like oh is it my fault because he's the one who wanted to go into the into the burning building and just uh i can't even imagine what someone would be going through in that kind of a situation survivor's guilt exactly we go over to our next scene we have audio for uh it's carter's going to talk to benton about uh the trauma and his inability to finish the procedure dr benton 
And what is it, Carter? I don't know what happened. I thought I'd seen a lot of things since I've been here, but that, um... You have to focus, Carter. I know. I tried. They announced the, uh, matches in a couple weeks, and I want to be a surgeon, but that... I don't know if I can do that. You can. Carter. It doesn't get worse than that. You stayed on your feet. That says something. I love Ben. I love, you know, compassionate Benton. We're starting to, like we said in the last um, couple episodes, we're starting to see their professional relationship really develop into one of more mutual respect. And we're also starting to see less Baby Carter and more John Carter, MD here. Mm-hmm. He's owning his mistakes and yeah, and recognizing just his own limitations as a as a physician. Yes. Yeah, I love I love that dynamic there in that scene because it's it's a nice like it's a nice blend because you can see Benton's his instinct or his his like reflex is to sort of berate Carter and be like you got to focus like you got to be better blah 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 blah, whatever and then almost instantly he realizes that that's not what Carter needs right now like he doesn't need to be you know coached through this as a kind of a drill sergeant he needs the softer touch and it's like he's like you know what you didn't pass out like good on you for that like he just it's it's a perfect blend of sort of like the way their relationship was to where their relationship is going and it's just really it's really really good work agreed so then we get susan is yelling for doug because mark is carrying in a toddler followed by the mom we've been looking for this whole episode um it's the mom from the explosion and who plays her daniel she is played by another kind of, at least for me, um, a 90s, oh, hey, it's that person. Uh, her uh, name is Leah Lail, Lal, L-A-I-L, I don't know how to pronounce it. But her two kind of biggest credits were she was in another Adam Sandler movie, uh, Little Nicky, and uh, one of my favorite yeah. 90s movies of all time, uh, Heavyweights. I am the only person who liked Little Nicky, but I was also 10. <laughs> so you were exactly so, the right demographic. Was- for me, it was just mostly forgettable, except for the dude with the boobs. With the titty head? Yeah, with the titty head. That's <laughs> uh, all play, I remember. Played by um, Kevin Nealon. Really? Yep. Yes, it was. You are absolutely right. It sure was. Yeah. I'm going to go watch Happy Gilmore again. Little, little Nicky, little Nicky for me is like, it's in that same category as like Big Daddy, where it's sort of like the line of demarcation for me for Adam Sandler. Like, I will not have Big Daddy besmirched in this podcast. No, no I'm saying like big, like I think, it, I think you could... I don't, and I don't remember what order they came out in, but like I think if Big Daddy came out first and Little Nicky came out second, I think Big Daddy was like the last Adam Sandler movie I really enjoyed, and Little Nicky was the first one mm. where I was like, hmm, I might be too old for this. I adore Big Daddy. I need. It's been although a long time unfor- since I've seen it. I need to go back and watch it. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say, although unfortunately, in recent years, I have seen uh, Billy Madison again, and Billy Madison does not hold up in the slightest. Yeah. Nope. Happy Gilmore does, too. Yeah, mostly, I always liked Happy Gilmore but, better anyway. But Bradley Whitford is in uh, Billy Madison. Yeah, no, Billy Madison has one of my favorite and like and like quotes of all time at the end of the mm-hmm. uh, with the game show. Yeah, the quiz. One of the dumbest thing. <laughs> We're all now dumber for having listened to it. I just want to watch uh, Billy Madison for the uh, um, Bradley Whitford shit now. <laughs> Tune in next week for the it's- Happy Madison Verse podcast. I'm sorry, okay. So the mom says, I fixed up the burns on his arms. I thought he was okay. There was an airway obstruction from the burns in his throat, so Doug is having trouble intubating for a moment. They get ready to crike him, and Doug is able to actually get through and intubate properly. Um, The mom is sitting in the corner crying and saying she's sorry over and over again. And Doug, in absolutely ice-cold fashion, said, just under his breath to the doctors working on the child, says, it should have been her airway. I would have let her suffocate. Yikes. Doug, again, with the white knight and protecting children. This is not the time for your bullshit, Doug. We just praised you, and now we're <laughs> calling you out on your shit. We said he was better with Carol. Okay, that's true. Gotta take these things in, in phases with him. We're getting there. Then we cut over to the burn burn unit uh, doctors working on Raul. Um, one of the doctors is giving Carol the prognosis of his condition, and it's looking like uh, he won't make it till morning, unfortunately. So, which seems especially quick with these types of things, because usually when you when we have burn patients in these episodes, it seems like they last 
couple days, a week or so before they die of an opportunistic infection or something like that. Usually, usually um, don't have ninety percent of their body third degree burns. That's either. true. Fair enough. But yeah, Raul's family's in the lobby waiting to see him. So we don't really see Raul's family though. No, we don't. We don't really get much insight into that. The, the burn doc we do see here, um, I forgot to put in the notes, but I did notice he was another kind of, oh, hey, it's that guy, actor named Gregory Itson. Probably most notable credit was he was the president on 24 for a while, and he has 180 credits dating back to 1979. So he's probably our most prolific, oh, hey, it's that guy from this whole episode. But we go from there. The mom from the explosion is in with the homicide arson unit, so we can draw the conclusions there she's probably going to see some consequences from this whole tragedy doug is sort of just he's kind of doing the like aimlessly walking around like when you're when you're so frantic that you don't actually know what to do next like he's kind of just like in a daze a little bit uh, mark keeps telling him he, he should go like he has a bulls game to get to with his dad and he's like no i want to stay and see the kids kids through and it looks like Doug wins the battle at first and like he goes off to the next patient to deal with him but then like a split second later he has a change of heart he's like yeah okay I guess I'll go try to make make nice with my dad so we will touch on that a little bit later yeah I like um I like that Doug makes this change and decides he's gonna go like I know he really wants to stay with these kids and it's great that he you know cares enough but at the same time they're under control they're being taken care of He's trying to work on the shit with his dad. Good on him for going and putting the effort in. Definitely. Um, then we have our next ser- in a series of heartbreaking audio clips. Uh, we have uh, Carol going to check in on Raul. Hi. Your family's here. They're waiting outside. Take my mask off, please. Please. Over 90% third degree. Don't let him put me on a ventilator. It'll make you breathe easier. Okay. Those kids gonna make it? Thanks to you. Oh, no. It was Shep. Balls of steel. <laughs> They're gonna let him come up and see me. I don't see how they'd be able to keep him away. See, kids, going on a ventilator fucking sucks. So uh, wear a mask, because you even the guy with ninety percent third degree burns on his body doesn't want to go on a ventilator. So maybe wear a fucking mask. That's the spirit, Daniel. How topical. But yeah, this uh, Juliana Margulies also does some amazing legwork this episode, just being there for both of them. Yeah, really validating that early season one decision to keep her around. Yeah, and just. Mm. I'm scared. When his voice breaks as he says it is when my heart shatters. Yeah, shout out, oh, shout out to so him, good. too. Like, all three of them are kind of hitting on all cylinders. The gang is just winning. Um, yeah, she's just such a good nurse and such a good friend. And I love when we get to see the nurses actually um, take a front seat in caring for people. Like, when Halle soothes people or when Carol's doing this. And just, like, it's just great to see them being great at their jobs. It's great character moments for them. And then Susan goes into the radiology room to check on some films. And as she turns the light on, she hears crying and she turns around and sees poor Lydia crying in the dark in the corner. And we were going to get this as an audio clip, but it's really just this one line. And it was already a lot of a listening party today. But Lydia just absolutely heart-wrenching says, some days you don't know what to do with it all. And when an OG like Lydia is this heartbroken and exhausted and shattered by something, you know that it's a lot. Because I'm sure she has seen some shit. Yeah, that's a perfect example, I think, of a a one-off little side 
piece scene that doesn't really advance the plot at all doesn't really it you could take it out and nothing would be different but it adds so much in just a short little because like you said we we've seen we, we kind of know a little bit of her history and we know that she's been around the block a few times and has seen some shit so the fact that this is getting to her it's like wow really like it really just puts home the gravity of the whole situation so then from there we cut over to Doug who is waiting outside of the United Center in front of the Michael Jordan statue for his for his dad. The melancholy music that is trickling in in the background seems to indicate that uh, daddy will not be arriving anytime soon. Um, and if you listen to last week's episode, you know that dad's not going to show up because those tickets are bullshit. So, you know, Doug, you really should have seen this coming. Look at the tickets, man. The game was a month ago and non-existent in real life 1996 so you should have seen this coming look look it's not like these people can afford actual bulls tickets that's probably gonna be like (laughs) half the production budget for the show at this point so i'm just saying look at a calendar you know put a real date on there that's that's all i'm asking Ah, so then we have some of the nurses and Jeannie are going to go get dinner together because they are not ready to go home yet. And Lily also is very sweet and invites the firefighters from the 134th to come with them just because she knows they're just standing around waiting too. So she's like, let's all go grab some food. Let's all go together. Which will lead to an incredibly sweet scene here that we'll listen to. But then uh, Randy, quick beat, Randy tells Susan that Chloe's there and Susan immediately like is like what the fuck shit motherfucker goddamn tit like and bolts and bolts upstairs you can almost you can almost feel like i can almost you can almost see like if this was a cartoon she'd be doing the wildy coyote like or no the roadrunner like spinning Spinning wheels up and then zooming away wait what'd you call the coyote wildy coyote wildy Wildy coyote oh my gosh wiley coyote oh well whatever (laughs) Saying the tone of Pedantic ER retrospective. Shut the fuck up. On retro cartoons. Jesus Christ. I'm Wiley. <laughs> Reference. Replacements. Anyway. Um, I've yes. Never seen, I've seen the replacements once, so. Oh, you're missing out. Um, I know. Ask Cody Laveau. Um, anyway, yeah, you definitely see the, the Roadrunner tracks. Yes. As she's getting ready to go upstairs. So then we cut back to the outside of the United Center, back checking in with Doug again. Dad has still not shown up. You can hear kind of the game happening inside the arena in the background. Uh, so, yeah, Dad let Doug down again. Just goddamn. Ugh. But then we have Susan running up to the daycare, panicking that Chloe has kidnapped little Susie, and asks the daycare attendant, like, where is she? Oh, my God, where is she? And the daycare attendant's like, right there in the daycare. And Chloe is sitting on the floor playing with little Susie and just says, oh my God, she is so beautiful. And Susan looks so pissed off that Chloe is here because keep in mind, at the beginning of the episode, we had the um, the adoption agent ask had Susan had any luck getting in contact with Chloe because barring Chloe, that's the only obstacle to Susan getting the adoption to go through. So as per usual, Chloe comes in to ruin something at the worst possible time. As per usual. God damn it, Chloe. I will preface this next uh, section of our show by saying that the next four scenes are all presented to you in audio form because, god damn, there's some good stuff here. Uh, so let's kick off that with uh, Carol coming into Shep's room and taking him to see Raul. Shep? You ready to go see him? Okay. Sure you can. We didn't have to go in. Engine companies were on their way. We could hear them coming. It's not your fault, Chef. He only went in there because of me. You both did what you were supposed to do. We didn't even have the right gear. He knew it. He looked at the fire, then he looked at me, and he knew it. He followed me in anyway. You have to go see him. Your friend is lying up there waiting for you. And if you don't go, you're going to regret this for the rest of your life. <sighs> that just, mm. She's not wrong. No. I just... Mm. She does such a good job being there for Shep and encouraging him. It's just, it's just so heavy that, like, 
there's not much else to be said about yeah. it. It's like, just some the acting speaks for itself. Yeah, I was gonna say if we don't say a lot about the some of the some of the stuff that it's just because there's really nothing to say. Like the situation is totally fucked, and none of us can really imagine what it would be like to be in a situation like this. So definitely some cut. Someone's cutting some onions around here. So <laughs> so let's just move on to our next one. I do apologize for the length of this one. It is nearly three minutes long, so please bear with us. But Doug and his uh, issues with his father do sort of come to a head here. So let's listen in. Hey, I shorted this morning before the opening bell. I said, well, but that was two hours ago. There you go, you son of a bitch. Doug? Who the hell was that? My son. Karen, excuse me. Doc! Doc! Doc, wait a minute! Doc, listen to me. Listen, I called the hospital hours ago. I left you a message. Right, right. It was a meeting! Yeah, it was a meeting. What was her name? Was it Barbara or Ann or what? Was it Dottie? Wasn't that the name of the girl that I caught you with in the front of Mom's car? I can't remember. I get confused. Well, that's your boss. I thought you owned the joint. It's complicated, Doug. Yeah, it's complicated. Complicated. Damn it, for God's sakes. I would have been there if I could have. You know that. Look, I left your message. I'm yeah. sorry. Sorry, boy. Come on. <laughs> hey, I'll get tickets for next week's game. We'll sit courtside, all right? Hmm? Please. Come on. I'm freezing my ass off. Let's go. It's always about you, isn't it, Ray? It's always about what you want. Never anybody else, just you. It just was business. It's business. I was standing there, Ray. It was 7.30, and you were supposed to be there. I was standing there. Where were you? You know where you, you were exactly where you have always been your entire life, Ray, someplace else. That's where you were. I look. I cannot change what happened to you when you were a kid. I can't. You did a good number on me, Ray. You did a good job. I never committed to anything in my entire life. I've never been with a woman for more than six months, most of the time in six days. I find a job where I see people for a couple of minutes, I fix them as best I can, I send them on their way. No mess, no fuss, no messy details. That's what you taught me, right? Isn't it? And that's your trick? Well, here I am. Dead. I'm you. Huh. What happened to you as a child I'm responsible for? You're 34 years old. How you live your life is your decision. I'm going inside. First off, these two are such good scene partners for shit like this. Like, I know we haven't seen Ray a lot, but they both just bring such history to the sequence. And the fact, I love how Ray was like, you know, what happened to you as a child was my fault, but I'm not going to take responsibility for how you conduct yourself as an adult. Yeah. Which is a totally fair statement. Yeah. Like, you haven't chosen to work on yourself. You could have gone to therapy. You could have, like, taken ownership on that. Um... Though, granted, the one time Doug did go to therapy, the therapist was like, no, you're fine. Bye. <laughs> True. So. Go golfing. Yeah. Go, go sleep with a woman. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Toxic masculinity is not a thing. But yeah, so there's that. And then also, I noticed, and I could be wrong, but it looks like Clooney had a closed earring hole in his earlobe. <laughs> Just as I was as I was staring at this. And the woman that Ray was with is also from the original CSI Las Vegas. She sure is. Marg Helgenberger. And this is actually the beginning of a five episode arc of hers that we will have through the end of this season. So uh, this is actually the uh, last appearance of Ray. So we're, we're done with Doug's dad. Oh. Um, and we huh. are now transitioning over to Karen. So we will see, we will see how that develops, but that that's a quick little like, in and out storyline that'll be done wrapped up with uh before the end of uh, season two so uh but yeah no i, I agree on all points they, these two work really well together i'm sorry that this is the end of doug and his dad like i would like to see more of this um i think 
it was just kind of starting to hit its stride here and we're kind of cutting it off at the legs but yeah it's good stuff i think i I can't think of anybody in this episode who's not pulling their weight like i think everyone in this episode is doing a really really good job like there's not really a weak link in this in the chain of this episode agreed all right and moving right along uh, our next scene here is the aforementioned firefighters and nurses and randy and mark and everyone uh they're all at doc magoo's doing sort of that er staple thing of uh telling stories about someone at uh, doc magoo's when they're about to die buck naked hanging over chef's shoulder right and raul he's running behind her with the damn poodle <laughs> now the whole time the drunk husband's chasing him with a butcher knife screaming how he's gonna kill all of them don't we kill you you bastards <laughs> Afraid of heights? Did you know that? <laughs> I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> hey, it's true. He is. Raul's always making him go up the fire escape or pull the jumpers off the tops of buildings, stuff like that. Raul gave Chef skydiving lessons for Christmas. <laughs> you ever played La Bamba for you guys? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I like La Bamba. You wouldn't if you worked with him. When I rode with him a couple years back, he had it on tape. Played the thing over and over. Enough <laughs> to make you kill yourself. Or him. You guys remember that little baby they brought in about a year ago? Found it in a garbage bag down on the south side. I remember. Yeah. Been dead at least three or four hours, but those boys brought her in doing CPR and mouth-to-mouth. Chow was cold, but they wouldn't give up. Yelled at us when we told them it was hopeless. Then they both cried. Like it was their own kid. Hell, I cried. Me too. So I have a question. Yeah. Does Raul's death fit the first instance of the kill your gaze trope on ER? Hmm. Because he is, he is, they previously identify him like four episodes before as a gay Mm -hmm. man. Hmm. You might be right. I'm really struggling to think of anyone else. I mean, we may have had a one-off character, like a but he he's a named semi-regular character who happens to be gay who happens to be gay who also we soon also happens to be dead life, but... yeah yeah i think you might be right hmm. yeah which is one of my biggest problems with the show is the kill your gays trope there's at least two yeah him and another we'll get to in a few seasons yeah carrie's future i was trying not to spoil it <laughs> excuse me Excuse Jesus. me. This is an ER retrospective. So. I know, but I try to within try to keep some of the mystery not. alive. Fair enough. Because some people could be like me and fucking forget everything about this goddamn show. <laughs> no, but I, th- I, I think qualified. I think you are right. I think you might be right that this is the first example of it for sure. It's one of the well, it's not the first example of LGBT people on this show can't have nice things, but for supporting cast, it is. Yeah. So that was my my thought for that, but also just. It also sounded like at one point there that there was a fucking laugh track in the background. I'm sure there was. I'm sure they were juicing up the the laughter there because a, a lot of their close up laughing is very like wooden and not very believable. But ho, ho, ho. yeah, I'm sure they were I'm sure they were <laughs> fluffing that up just a little bit in post. Now that I think about it though, like not to get too into spoilery territory though. Now that I think about it though, there's a lot of similarities between our future version of this story and this one, like. Huh. Gay Hispanic EMT dies in a fire. Like, mm. <laughs> like, ah. did they really just paint yeah, paint by numbers here? <laughs> Yikes! See, it, it doesn't even register me to to me at the end because like we don't see because like after a certain point in the relationship with her and a character that I may or may not have said earlier. <laughs> that, <laughs> um, Let's see how light we stop seeing dance. her as an EMT and she becomes a stay at home mom. It's true. Right, so. It's true. She's. It's it's slightly different, but I, I wonder how much of that was just like, oh, we had this old storyline. Let's let's put a slap a new coat of paint on it and call it good. Let's kill another another <laughs> one of our gays. Hooray! Uh, you 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 don't love to see it. I almost said you love to see it. You don't love to see it. So so this was about Raul dying and Shep being injured. Let's go back to that for a second. Exactly. Um, so let's go. You, are we done with that one? 
I was just gonna say, I think I think it's sweet how everybody is taking the time to reflect and everything. Yeah, these are some of my favorite scenes, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I think like this like the other like most memorable one to me that where they do this is where um in sorry, we're getting into a little spoilery territory. <laughs> I apologize, but oh come on, you know Lucy dies. Yes. So Lauren just tried to cover her ears. Um <laughs> doing it on behalf of the listeners. <laughs> um like the the episode like the episode where Lucy dies in season six. Probably my second favorite episode of the entire series. Like Is it because Lucy dies? <laughs> Jesus <No>. Christ. <laughs> wow. Cause there's some people who watch the show that that's why that would be their favorite episode. Oh my god. Uh that there that's a whole thing that we're gonna get into in seasons five and six when she shows up. She's also one of my favorite side characters. So we move into our final scene of the episode and our final uh, audio clip for you. Uh, we have Carol finally bringing Shep in to see Raul. So bust out the bust out the tissues there, listeners. Hey, partner. Hey, partner. Hmm. <sighs> Guess I missed that free breakfast, huh? Oh, man. Hey, hey. You gotta hang in there, okay? I can't do it, bro. You gotta. (laughs) (laughs) I heard those kids are doing great. Saved him, buddy. No, I didn't. You didn't. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Stop cutting onions, Lauren. I'm sorry. I'm hungry. (laughs) Just, ugh. God damn. Such good scene partners. I know. I know we don't have too much more of Shep in this this entire, in the series for us, but god damn. He'll be gone by the end of the season. Yeah, one of the things I've really come to appreciate over this season was Shep and Raul's dynamic. Like, I really love them in scenes together, and this is just sort of, like, the icing on the cake for that. Yeah, this episode's been a good reclamation project for Shep after uh, the the trashiness that was a few episodes ago. Yeah. Shep, all lives matter. (laughs) I was going to say, Shep is an example of how um, you can still support racist systems even if you have friends of color. Yeah. I don't know. This whole episode, to me, I think barring maybe only hell and high water from this season i think is probably my episode of the season so far like i would agree it's just like i said earlier like no one is not pulling their absolute weight here like there's not a there there really isn't a storyline in this episode that i can point to that be like yeah that kind of sucks or like that's not that that doesn't add to the story or that doesn't uh, contribute in some meaningful way like I mentioned earlier on like the the um, there's kind of the dropped storyline of Mark being kind of sour with Susan but that's really my biggest nitpick with the whole episode like everything else like there's not really a there's not really a scene or a patient or a storyline that I'm like yeah you should have cut that out it would have made it better like everything kind of top to bottom just works I'd agree see I'm see this one for me is hard like to put this like as my number two episode of the season so far. I personally like Baby Shower more. Baby Showers, it was so good far. too. It's it's nice that we're getting two back to back like that that are so good, but yeah, in different ways. Just because Baby Shower, I'm much more likely to go back and watch. Yeah, this is this for me is like if Helen High Water is this season's Blizzard, this is this season's Love's Labor Lost. I recognize I recognize that it is a. Ter- it's just a terrific piece of television and it is like perfect 
storyline wise from top to bottom but it is like it will shit inside of your soul and i don't want to watch it unless i have to (laughs) Uh, agreed all right well that's about gonna wrap up our episode for today folks thank you all very much for listening as always this show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash setting the tone podcast for only a dollar a month you can get access to our show notes each week for only five dollars a month you can get access to the full season recap episodes a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk jerry and once our stretch goals are met you'll also get access to a monthly bonus show called the lounge where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture at that moment as well as monthly movie commentaries where we watch and talk about a movie featuring an er cast member We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash SettingTheTonePodcast. And we are at SettingTheTonePodcast on Instagram. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at Dan.U, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a mock trial. And Laura, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me live tweeting my experiences finally playing The Last of Us 2 at my personal Twitter at Lobob92345. You can also find me on Twitter. I am at RandomGamer. That's G-A-M-3-R, as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect Andromeda, new episodes every Friday. Uh, Simply search The Popular Court on YouTube and the channel should pop right up for you. Uh, Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. (laughs) 